T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's officially time to welcome in Peter King to the Brock mania that has swept throughout the Bay Area. And look, we're not trying to get too far over our skis. There are other other shows, other hosts saying this is the best thing ever. Uh, you know, it, 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 we got a long way to go before it's that. But in terms of debuts, Peter King, have you ever seen a better third rounder take the reins of a team that's supposed to go somewhere and make it appear that they haven't even hit a speed bump. It was very impressive yesterday from Brock Purdy. You mean a third day or not a third rounder? I mean, because obviously Brock Purdy, the end of the seventh round of the draft, I think there's two things about this situation that I think are really, really interesting. Um, one is that um, I think that when you're a quarterback, Especially, and I think I'm right in saying this, I think he played 48 games in the Big 12. I mean, look, let's, the Big 12 is not the SEC, but it's also not the MAC, you know? Um, so, I, you know, I look at it and I basically say, people are talking about Brock Purdy, who started for three and a half years in a major college conference. They're looking at him like... Uh, He's got, he, you know, I mean, like he's, like he's, you know, never played before. And and I think that is the first real misleading thing. It's funny, the other day I had a long conversation with Baker Mayfield about his game. And I asked him, are you surprised that the 49ers didn't put a claim in on you? And almost like right out of the box, said a couple things. But then he said, hey, I'm telling you, I love, this is before yesterday. He goes, I love Brock Purdy. He said, I've always thought that that guy was tough, confident, really, really knew what he was doing. And, uh, and it, it totally unprompted. And so I think his point was, they wouldn't claim me. They got Brock Purdy. And that sounds so funny for coming from a guy who was the first pick in a draft versus a guy who was the 262nd pick in another draft. It's some Big 12 but, brotherly love happening right there. I mean, Purdy is, and, you know, the number on its surface, they're the 39th best ever. But when you think of all the quarterbacks that have ever played, he is the 39th most prolific passer in the history of college football. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, you know, look, he had a good career and he lost a bunch of games, especially in his last year or so. And people just said, man, eh, that's the end of Brock Purdy. 
And plus, he doesn't have he doesn't have great quarterback size. As I said last week, I met with him last week, and you know he's six one. You know, so they say. I mean, he's probably closer to six, but but whatever it is, whatever it is, look, he's had a lot of experience, and I think there's one other thing. You know, I've always thought I've covered the NFL for 39 years, and one of the things I always think that is an, a, a part of a quarterback's ethos that if he doesn't have it, he will not win. And that is the ultimate confidence in himself. And, you know, there were times, the first team I ever covered in the NFL was the Cincinnati Bengals. There are times I would talk to Boomer, there were times I talked to Boomer Esiason, like after a game, and I would think, what game was this guy playing in? He was talking about, you know, how many chances they had and what they should have done and all this stuff and, we had this and we had that, but that's the way you have to be. You know, it's like this in the Seth Wickersham story about Andrew Luck the other day, Anthony Costanzo, the former tackle of the Colts, said to Luck at one point that, hey, listen, you have to be the most confident guy on the team, whether you believe it or not, because if you're not, People are going to see that. They're going to smell it and, and all that. And so I think that's one of the things that quarterbacks have to have. And look, in my 10-minute meeting with Brock Purdy, I said, oof, this guy really thinks he's good. Not in a cocky way, but just like he's not intimidated by saying Tom Brady's going to be on the other sideline. He thinks it's cool, but he doesn't say, oh, my God, I'm not showing up. You know, he, he thinks he's got a chance. Here's the one interesting thing I thought after yesterday's game. So now, Brock Purdy has played one full game and about 50 minutes of another, maybe 53, whatever minutes of uh, of another one. So he's kind of, he played two full games. And, and you would think about Brock Purdy that if this guy can average 20, 22, 23 points a game, that's going to be great because the defense is that good. But, you know, look at what's happened in the first two games. I think I'm right in saying that Brock Purdy's put up 57 points in his, uh, in his you know, 105 minutes or whatever it is, 110 minutes. And so he's done more than we all thought that he he would do. And so that's why, and again, look, it's silly to sit here and say, yep, the 49ers got a chance to beat the Eagles in the NFC Championship game at Lincoln Financial Field the last weekend of January. It's silly to say that because I don't know who's playing for the 49ers that day. Is Bosa going to be healthy? Warner going to be healthy? Uh, is Aziz going to be healthy? Is I, I mean, so, you know, I, I, I don't know because the 49ers play football like a rolling ball of butcher knives. They are all out every play. And so they tend to get a few injuries. So I don't know who's going to be on the field if and when they were to play the Eagles. So I can't tell you who's going to win that game. But right now, if they faced off against the Eagles, I don't think Brock Purdy would get shut down by any stretch. Uh, let me ask a, not a stylistic question, but a narrative question. 
What's the most apt historical comp, just in terms of narrative, to the idea of a third-string quarterback getting the job in you know, the still with four or five games to play and still making a deep run? What, what's, the, what's the narrative comp? Well, I'd have to think about that. The one that the lazy one that comes to mind is Tom Brady. He was the second string quarterback, but the one commonality they have is that in 2001, which was the year after Brady got drafted, he basically was in an indoctrination session in the year 2000. He wasn't going to play. He was just there to learn about the game. Um, but, but, but I think starting in 2001 in training camp, Bill Belichick honestly thought in that year that if this guy needs to play, we might be better than we are with Bledsoe. And I know that sounds crazy because at the time, Bledsoe was the highest paid player in football and Brady was a sixth round pick who nobody ever heard of. But I remember going back to training camp when, uh, you know, when everybody was wondering about what was going to happen with the Niners and and how was uh, Trey Lance going to play. Garoppolo wasn't even in the picture at that point. But it was basically Trey Lance, Sudfeld, and maybe they could stash Purdy on the practice squad, or maybe he'd be a number three. But he'd impressed so many people so early in training camp, Kyle Shanahan was already like telling everybody, hey, don't forget about Brock Purdy. He could be a factor at some point. And you knew, I'll never forget my first thought, when uh, when they basically got rid of uh, Sudfeld and Sudfeld ended up in Detroit, my first thought was, and this is amazing, but he he has that's how much confidence that Kyle Shanahan has in Brock Purdy, and obviously he's borne out that confidence. So Brady is a lazy person way to look at it. There must be a good third stringer Ray. If I had been able to think about this for 10 minutes before this, I'm sure I would have thought of somebody, but the only person I can think of low pick coming absolutely out of nowhere, you know, in the last, whatever, 20 years or so is Brady. Um, and now the other qu- the question that, that strikes me with all the, the Brock Purdy stuff, how much easier is it for him to run an offense with that defense as a cushion and Christian McCaffrey to hand off to and to throw the ball to in the backfield as many times as he is. Is this the easiest job a third-string quarterback has ever had? Well, maybe. But, you know, Ray, Brock Purdy would be an idiot if he said, hey, I only have to score 17 points or 20 points and we'll be fine. I mean, he's not going to think like that. He just isn't. And so he's thinking, we're going to score every time we touch the ball. So I really don't think he thinks like that. But as far as in reality what the job is, I think the reality of the job is very much like you say. That, you know, don't turn it over. 
I mean, I think even though, I think I'm right in saying this, guys. You would know this, right? I think that in these first two games, the Niners have had to burn three timeouts total because they were getting down to it and they didn't want to get a delay a game call. Um, maybe one or two or all three of those were because of communication issues, uh, you know, between the sidelines and, and Brock Purdy. I don't know. But the fact is, and I wrote it today, and I forget how many plays, whatever, like a lot of plays, 120 plays or whatever, and Brock Purdy has not had a delay a game yet. And, and so, you know, you would think that that's because Brock Purdy knows what he's doing. He knows the offense. He knows the calls. And he can get them to the players very, very quickly. And look, I could tell last week when I was in there, when I was in their locker room after the game, there were veteran guys who were talking about this almost with a shrug of their shoulders like, you know, he just picked up, you know, where our offense clearly would want him to, that he 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 wasn't struggling with any aspect of the job. And you also notice that in both games so far, one time in each game that I've seen, he got the crap beat out of him on a pass rush. One by Jalen Phillips last week uh, <clears throat> against Miami, and then yesterday, I forget who, but it was very early in the game, one of the first plays, where he just got leveled. Um, I think it might have been Keanu Neal, I forget, but it was somebody. And But but anyway, my, my whole point is he's just not affected by it, and that is from having played in 48 games in the Big 12 and having come in as confident as a player can come in. He's a tough kid. He looks like he's got a good head on his shoulders. He sees the game. He feels the pocket. And that's a good place to start. Peter King with us here on Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. And Peter, it's really hard to measure an hour before every minute has ticked on by. But given the fact that he's having a degree of success even though Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a typical second-string quarterback. You know, uh, maybe it's unfair to say that. Trey Lance wasn't a typical first-string quarterback. Jimmy takes over, and now it's it's Brock Purdy. Given the fact that Kyle is not only the coach of this team, but the GM who swung for Christian McCaffrey, given the fact that, you know, D'Amico Ryans is getting the credit for the way this defense is playing, this defense has been hand-picked by Kyle Shanahan as the general manager in conjunction with John Lynch. Is this Kyle Shanahan's finest hour? Well, you would think that um, when he has designed an offense that is quarterback-friendly enough so that a guy who was the 262nd pick in the draft, regardless of his college experience, nobody else wanted him, regardless of the fact that he now has to play the 262nd pick in the draft in two big games. You know, obviously, the the game against two of the most electric offense, electrifying offense, whatever you'd call it, in football... Uh, nine days ago, they're certainly not now, but just this incredible offense comes into Santa Clara 
and the defense handles them, but the defense handles them certainly, but they, they, they also, you know, even if the defense was just okay, Brock Purdy played well enough in that game to, uh, you know, to make sure that they were going to score enough points. And I think, obviously, the weird game that yesterday was, the one thing I would say about it, because it's a cliche to say Brock Purdy against Tom Brady, but what what that showed me yesterday was that, you know, as I say, as I said a minute or so ago, Brock Purdy is totally unafraid of everything. He's unafraid of a good pass rush, which Tampa has. Um, he's unafraid of the the storylines, the plot lines headed into the game. He's unafraid of you know, obviously, of playing Brady. And he has taken what Kyle Shanahan has, has educated him about, and he basically has made it so that I'm just out there playing football. And that's the thing. You can tell if a guy has happy feet, or you can tell if a guy is not ready for the moment. Zach Wilson of the Jets, when he played the Patriots and threw two out of his three picks in the game, were absolutely absurd. They were just terrible throws, horrible decisions. Zach Wilson was not ready for the moment. For whatever reason, maybe because his college days, maybe because, you know, he's worked so much with Shanahan and, and, and Garoppolo and Lance and all that, whatever. He's ready for this moment. And that's one of the reasons why now I don't think anything this year is out of the question for the Niners. Uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the rest of the league, you know, is starting to sort of hit a wall here or there. I mean, Dallas had trouble getting past Houston, and I'm exempting Philadelphia in this. But I asked Mike Lurin this earlier, and I'll ask you, given that the 49ers have hit their stride and have now been at full stride for six weeks now, is there such a thing <clears throat> as peaking too early or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because, hey, Ray, you know why there is? Because when you peak too early, I guarantee you that six weeks from now, in their biggest game of the year, the 49ers are going to have five or six personnel issues that we did not see coming. Every team will, almost every team. The Eagles have been remarkably uninjured, remarkably whole. I think they've only missed, one of their starters on the offensive line has missed like two or three games. But in the rest of them, have just played them all. And so that to me is something that says to me that that's a hugely valuable part of it. It's not necessarily peaking too early, but can you keep your team whole? And I'll never forget this. My second and third year covering the National Football League, I worked for Newsday in New York. I covered the New York Giants. In 1985 and 1986, the New York Giants had what I would say individually were mediocre players on the offensive line. You know, Brad Benson, Carl Nelson, uh, Bart Oates was a pretty good player. But, I mean... They 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 were they were just they were pretty average offensive linemen. But you know what was interesting? You add in Mark Bavaro, and those six players, the five linemen and the tight end, started thirty two games in a row in the regular season. 
And so you know what happens at that point? The chemistry becomes a huge issue. It's a huge factor. So the, o- the only reason I mention that is that very few teams today are the same on December 12th that they are on January 25th. Things happen. People get hurt. You know, injuries happen. And so as of right now, I would say I wouldn't necessarily say peaking too early. I would simply say that if you told me that, and and if you told me Debo Samuel was back, if you told me everybody else was in the the same situation they're in right now and they're all playing, I give the 49ers a 50-50 shot at going to Lincoln Financial Field and winning the NFC Championship game. But, you know, as Bill Parcells once said, they don't sell insurance for that kind of stuff. Peter King with us here on 95.7 The Game. A huge game for the 49ers in Seattle because it's the fork in the road of keeping the pedal to the metal or winning your division. And just on that alone, you know, your your playoff spot is secure. Obviously, health is paramount. Should the 49ers, looking at a regressing Minnesota team, try to chase a two-seed? I mean, they're obviously not going to go out and try to lose. I don't think it matters. I just don't think it matters. I think Kyle Shanahan, you know, uh, Aziz Al-Shair told me something in the locker room last week that he goes, you know, so many teams, you know, have this mindset that we will, we'll be okay next week. We'll be fine. I'm not that worried. We're not that worried about not playing well this week. He goes, we don't care. Uh, He said, that's definitely not our attitude. We play every game, you know, like it's the most important game we've ever played. So a game in September matters exactly the same as a game now at this time of year. And I mention that because, like, my opinion is, I, I I think sometimes, sometimes, and look, the 49ers need to win this game uh, for a lot of reasons. I don't think for seeding purposes, but I do think that it's pretty important to make sure you win this division. And if they lose this game Thursday night, they breathe life into a reeling team. And I'm not saying that Seattle will win the division if they win Thursday, because I think even if they win Thursday... They're not going to win the division. That's how good I think the 49ers are. But you don't want to let them up off the mat. Having said that, if your trainer comes up to you and says, hey, Bosa is, you know, he's going to go, but I'm worried about him making this injury a little bit worse. Sit him. If I were, If I were Kyle... I would be thinking very, very seriously about limiting the amount of play that that Bosa has, knowing that you've got 10 days after this game before you're playing again. And that, to me, that mini-buy coming at this time of year is utterly fantastic. I think it's a huge edge to the Niners, knowing that they can take Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and I don't know how Kyle Shanahan will work the rest of this. Uh, what I mean, rest is you know resting players, but a lot of coaches will say, like let's say coaches would normally come in, and have players come in on Monday 
and then on Tuesday they'd give him off. A lot of coaches now say, listen, guys, take these four days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and we'll see you on Tuesday. Because, it, you know, they're telling him, get off your feet, rest, you know, do what you need to do to take care of yourself. But I think having that mini-buy at this time of year is a big advantage to the Niners. Peter, this Niners defense has held opponents scoreless for an entire half eight different times so far this season. That's the most in the NFL this year. And it's the most by the franchise in a single season in at least 52 years. Wow. And, you know, sometimes just one guy, and maybe it's a less heralded guy, can be the difference between really good or great. I'm thinking that guy might be Dre Greenlaw on this team. He had a career-high 15 tackles, pass deflection, an interception of Brady, which Brady was nice enough to autograph that football for him after the game. But uh, Dre Greenlaw, just like we were talking about last week, like, um, you know, uh, Talanoa Hufanga is not getting enough press, enough attention. Uh, uh, Dre Greenlaw might be the next in line. Yeah. Look, he's on my very short list right now. Normally you think, well, you know, you pick a linebacker for your all-pro team, you're going to pick Fred Warner. But I'm thinking very seriously about Dre Greenlaw. There's a bunch of really, really good linebackers in the NFL right now. You know, some of whom are really flying under the radar. Greenlaw, it's hilarious, but I watched this little press conference after the game that, you know, when he was talking very sheepishly about he's a little fangirl, you know, wanting to get Brady to autograph it. Uh, and, you know, he's – but but look, give credit right here to Adam Peters. Give credit to John Lynch. Give credit to Shanahan. And now give credit for an excellent linebacker in his own right, D'Amico Ryans, for developing the instincts, the instincts. Look, the athleticism of these guys is good enough. But I think because D'Amico Ryans played the game at a very high level, he can see – how good guys like Dre Greenlaw and and you know and and Fred Warner are and all that. So I, I I think I think the team that is developing that is drafting and developing players on the defensive side of the ball. I think we all thought that Robert Sala would be a really really big loss, and he has been a big loss. But the fact is, D'Amico Ryan's was ready for this job. And D'Amico Ryans has his fingerprints all over Dre Greenlaw. As a uh, a guy who, you know, carried the banner of Sports Illustrated in his career, uh, any thoughts on, on the passing of Grant Wall? Well, other than uh, I hope I don't start crying because I've been talking about Grant a lot in the last few days and you know, Grant Grant Wall was everything you would want in a colleague, everything you would want in a friend. Um, you know, and I've told this story a few times over the weekend. I went to the, Sports Illustrated, was delighted to send me to the World Cup in South Africa in 2010. And I wanted to go. I thought it would be a cool assignment. It's kind of in the football off season and everything. So I go to the World Cup and... I am under Grant Wall's supervision, and he's telling me everything. Get to know this goalie. Great guy. He's going to be the key to the U.S. hopes. So 
I spent 45 minutes one day with Tim Howard, this goalie for the U.S. He goes, go meet uh, Bob Bradley, the head coach of the U.S. team. Uh, he's a Parcells freak. He loves the He's a Jersey guy. He loves the Giants, all that. So I told him 10 stories about Parcells, and he was a rapt audience one day. So, you know, but Grant understood the currency of information and how to basically be able to do your job better. And he wasn't, he was never selfish about it. And I just think that there's so many young people in our business today um, who really owe so much to Grant Wall. And even though I was 15 years older than he was, um, I owe so much to Grant Wall for his perspective, for his absolute total passion. There was nobody, uh, I, I don't think anybody loved his game more than Grant Wall loved soccer. I mean, Paul Zimmerman loved football. He didn't love it more than Grant Wall loved soccer. Peter Gammons loves baseball. He did not love baseball more than Grant Wall loves soccer. And it showed every day when he did his job. I just think that as this sport gets so big in the United States, the saddest thing is that the bard of soccer in the United States, who would have written 50 memorable stories in the next 20 years, who would have ushered in everybody in 2026 when the World Cup is in the United States and in all of North America. He would have been your tour guide and your person who told you, educated you the most, and entertained you the most about soccer of any media person in the United States uh, was Grant Wall. And we'll miss him professionally. And I know I'll really, really miss him personally. The pouring of emotions from all directions speak to the life he led, not just, like you said, professionally, but personally as well. And I thank you very much for sharing that uh, about him. I know we, I, I didn't even plan on asking you that, but I, I'm glad I did. Peter, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Guys, a pleasure being on with you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much, Peter King. And Ray, for those who, who do not know, and again, I don't follow soccer, but I don't know how you could have, anyone could have avoided the news that as a sports fan, um, Grant Wall died covering the World Cup in the press box of uh, the World Cup. And I, look, I'm, I'm not saying that there's any foul play involved, although I don't think it's out of the question to speculate that it might be. His body has been returned to U.S. soil, and I'm sure comprehensive autopsies are, are being conducted. But to me, Grant Wall's family should be suing FIFA for about a billion dollars because there was no defibrillator in that stadium. There was a horrific medical response to an emergency to the point where he was brought to the hospital by an Uber. How in a world-class sporting event, in a brand new sporting venue that FIFA has signed off on, these bare minimum protocols that you would find at most high school sporting events seem to be unavailable to a World Cup that is spent on, what, guesstimate $30 billion preparing for the whole damn thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of the fact that how cavalier um, the Qataris were about getting this thing done. 
and it's a reminder that you know things like a defibrillator at a big event are not a, a luxury anymore. There should have been plenty in the stadium anyway. You know how it is that there was never anyone, there wasn't one brought up to him, is an outrage at bat, and that's being kind about it. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the what the uh, autopsy reads. His wife said you know, world-class immunologist. So she will know if she's getting the, the straight answers from from the coroner on all that. So there is that small comfort. But it is an amazement to me that, you know, that the medical care for him was as lacking as it was. And let's face it, he'd become a, a target. He'd become a subject of threats over there. And another journalist, a photojournalist, has died. And look, I, I'm con- conclude what you will from that information, but let me just say this. Two journalists dying at a sporting event is two more than usual. It truly is. And in a World Club, in a World Cup that has nothing but red flags over all of it, these are the two biggest red flags imaginable. Yeah, the games have not been good enough to overshadow that. And the games have been sensational. But this is not going to be a World Cup that will be remembered fondly for any number of reasons. And those are two of them. So, look, there's no way to transition from that to anything else. But I did want to talk about that because I was sitting in Las Vegas waiting for friends to arrive in the sports book. And the passing of Grant Wall rolled through that sports book in conversation with people just slack-jawed at, at, at that information. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the equivalent of Tom Verducci dropping dead at, at the World Series. I mean, it's a morbid thought, but right. Grant Wall was every bit of that. In fact, Grant Wall was a guy who cared about soccer but did not write as though he was working for FIFA. He didn't write as though he was working for the U.S. Soccer Federation. He worked for the game, and a lot of people who reach sort of that level forget that, and they start writing about the business as though they're in the business. And Grant Wall was, he he literally, and I can't stress this enough, he covered the game. And the game is about players on a field with a ball. Uh, Two other things, this is awkward transitions, but Kyler Murray was carted off the field two plays into tonight's Patriots-Cardinals game. Uh, Does not look good. Um, It looked like a knee, and he was in tears as they were carting him off. And Cade Cunningham's year with the Detroit Pistons is over with a knee injury. No. Apparently surgery is scheduled. Wow. Wow. That's that's a lot more than they thought they were going to find in that. Yeah. Um, One other story to just put out there only because the man is a, a brilliant offensive mind and uh, as, as big a personality as the sport of college football has in the terms of a coach but Mike Leach remains in critical condition. Mike Leach who was of course the coach at, at Washington State where the air raid was kind of um, put on the map first by him at Texas Tech um, he apparently had a, a, a huge heart attack, and everyone around Mike Leach is saying, please pray 
for Mike Leach. It sounds as dire as, as possible. And, you know, I mean, can he can he make it through this is the only question that matters. Not can he be back to coach Mississippi State in a in a football game ever again. Yeah. Um, this is not apropos of any of that, but we talked about this earlier. Uh, Chris Beard, the men's basketball coach at Texas, who is uh, being charged apparently with domestic violence, uh, after about three hours, uh, the school suspended him and named somebody an interim coach. So, so he's all done. I would think so. I mean, they, the police report alone is is harrowing. We don't have time to get into it before the break, but it's awful. Well, you know. With all that bad news, I, I do have something special coming up after the break. Um, Arthur Renowitzki is an absolute inspiration here in the Bay Area. He is someone who was a victim of a random act of gun violence that left him paralyzed from the waist down. His charity, the Life Goes On Foundation, has an event coming up at Jack London Square. And information on how you can either go to his Life Goes On Foundation event, the gala, this Thursday is coming up next. And if you can't make it, hopefully you'll consider a very nice donation to a charity and a guy who was an inspiration for those who are survivors of gun violence and living with spinal cord injuries. He's an amazing person. And I've introduced him to this audience in the past. And he'll be joining us again in in just a moment. Uh, One other note to just kind of wrap up sports for the show here. Obviously, Ray and I uh, got short shows. Uh, No show, as a matter of fact, on Wednesday. That's how early. Yay, best show of the year. That's how early the Warriors are going to get going on Wednesday. Uh, Warriors get going early tomorrow, too. So a very short show for us tomorrow. Second best show of the year. And uh, it's not like we work in a coal mine here, man. Hey. Do you want to spend three hours or do you want to spend one hour? Fair point. Uh, the San Francisco Giants signed Sean Manaya, Two-year, $25 million deal with an opt-out after just one. Look, he, he was not particularly good last year. But you know what he is? He's a major league pitcher. And the Giants fix guys like that. And for two years, $25 million, it's a price that is nice. I mean, there's no risk involved at all in signing Sean Manaya. He was good with the A's. And he's the kind of reclamation project that the Giants have had success with. And look, it, it, nothing in sports comes and goes like pitching. Nothing. So maybe some new voices, some new techniques, some new religion in his ear with the Giants will straighten out Sean Manaya. It's, it's the second free agent move after Mitch Haniger. Neither are particularly sexy or going to sell a single ticket on their own. But I actually, in a world that is just crapped all over this signing, I, I think it's a no-risk, upside-only move. You're, you're asking Sean Manaya to be your fourth starter. He's fine in that role. Yeah, the, the people are complaining because it's not Carlos Rodon or Chris Bassett, who signed with Toronto today. But Rodon's still out there. By the way, the A's traded uh, Sean Murphy today. And I won't even tell you who they traded him for, because if they work out, they'll be traded too. Uh, if you are an A's fan and you hate that team with all your heart, your heart's in the right place. God, they're terrible to their own fans and their team and their fan base. And, and their every, city. And their city. Thank you very much. Uh, a guy who's great to his city. Arthur Renowitzki. 
joins us next year on 95.7 The Game. So stick around for that, and then more sports will be coming up a little bit later on this evening. The football hour, by the way, gets going at 6. Here on 95.7 The Game, we are brought to you by Pfizer. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Wrapping up a Monday here on 95.7 The Game, and we're going to do a little good with the final segment of today's show. So we have already, of course, released Ray Ratto on his own recognizance, but I'm very happy to welcome in a friend of mine, a friend of the show, Arthur Renowitzki, who has a very cool local charity event that is coming up this Thursday just over in Oakland. And Arthur has hopped on the show with us before in the past. He is... A gunshot wound survivor randomly happened to him one night in North Beach, took away his ability to walk. And that's what the Life Goes On Foundation does. It is a support group for spinal cord injuries. It is continuing raising funds for spinal cord injuries. And Arthur Renowitzki, along with being a great ambassador and a hell of a guy, is an incredible basketball player. His wheelchair basketball team is affiliated with the Golden State Warriors. And I mean, Arthur, what are you guys about to go on and win a national championship or something like that? <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. Uh, I love the game of wheelchair basketball. I found it after my uh, spinal cord injury, uh, you know, due to my gunshot wound. Um, in December 2nd of 07 and ever since uh, finding wheelchair basketball uh, it gave me a new outlook on life and to get back to sports and uh, yeah I play with the Golden State Road Warriors which is affiliated to the Golden State Warriors and our goal is to uh, to win a national title this year and we got we're currently 8-0 right now and undefeated and um, looking looking to, to make that trend towards the championship game. Arthur Renowitzki's gala for the Life Goes On Foundation, which he is the, uh, uh, the officially chairman. Is that it? Is it the chairman of the Life Goes On Foundation? Founder? Yeah, the founder and uh, executive director. So it's it's a huge passion of mine. Like I wake up to it, I go to bed, and you know, thinking about it. 
um, you know, helping people in my position with spinal cord injuries and those that have suffered from, you know, gun violence, senseless gun violence. Um, I know what that trauma is like, and you, you definitely need that support system, and that's why I'm very passionate about this, this mission. December 15th, which is this Thursday at Scott's Seafood right there in, in Oakland. And it's a, a, a wonderful event that I've been to several years in a row. I'm so, so upset, Jillian and I, that we cannot be there this Thursday night. But you're going to be in good hands. And if anyone wants to come on out and support you, please, Arthur, tell everyone where they can get tickets and how they can sign up to help your charity. Definitely, definitely. I appreciate it, Damon. We're definitely going to miss you there. You know, you've come out throughout the years. Um, you were there one year when uh, Steph Curry was there back in 2019. And then also last year, um, you know, always a big support to our foundation, 95.7 The Game. I can't thank you guys enough for, you know, supporting. Um, so if you'd like to support this year, you can go to LGOF, um, the acronym for Life Goes On Foundation, LGOF.org slash gala. Um, and you can also um, support there by getting a ticket. Um, there's a few tickets left. Um, it's going to be at Scott Seafood from 6 to 10 p.m. Um, in Jack London Square. Um, please come out and support our evening hosts, um, our Jason Dumas and Olivia Horton. Uh, Frank Ocean, uh, Warriors Hype Man, will be there um, along with some guest DJs and some special guests. So there will be a live auction, a nice dinner, um, amazing speakers great uh, community uh, leaders and public figures so you know, I encourage everybody that's out there listening that wants to support um, to make it out if you can't um, you know you can make a donation or sign up to, to be a volunteer on our website lgof.org for more information and if you can't pick up a ticket for whatever reason you can't go it's a great place to make a donation and we would encourage everyone in a time of giving to go ahead and support this unbelievable cause Arthur Renowitzki joining me here quickly on 95.7 The Game just to let everyone know about it and I think one of the most important things you do and we're seeing this all over the place about representation mattering and the peer-to-peer -peer mentorship that I think you and your charity do is among the most important aspects of your charity. I can only imagine and and you know but for the grace of God we we all collectively can only imagine what it must be like to wake up in a hospital bed knowing that the use of your legs is no longer up to you and I'm guessing that you need a level of community and support around you. And, and I think it's amazing to see what you bring together in the way that you have shown out to support each other. Yeah, Damon, I, I really appreciate that. I mean, I, I think it's so important. <clears throat> when you wake up from an a injury like this due to senseless gun violence, you're dealing with, like I said, the trauma of that. But also to hear from the doctor um, that you may never be able to walk again. You need that support. Um, you definitely need that community um, and that mentorship. And I got that, um, you know, when I was injured. So I'm just paying it forward and um, doing the best I can to help others in this position. And our board, our whole entire foundation is, is doing the same thing. Um, and it's really just a, an amazing family, amazing movement that, that's been created to, uh, to tackle this mission um, because it's so needed. And, uh, again, I appreciate you, Damon. Um, your lovely wife, Jillian, and 95.7 The Game support throughout all these years. Um, can't thank you guys enough. You're a remarkable person. You know how I feel about you. You know how I feel about your cause. Uh, I love you, man. I really, really do. I wish you the very, very best with the event this year. And, 
hey, give me a call next year, and I'll make sure that my mom's not flying into town the same night that you're doing it, and I'll be back, man. Thank you so much for joining us today. One more time, hit everybody with a website where they can go to either pick up tickets or make a donation. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you can go to lgof.org for more information on how to you know support and buy tickets. Um, if you have any direct questions, um, I'm on Instagram. You can follow me at um, my initials, A-R, the inspiration. Um, and, you know, I'm opening up DMs and, and responding back. And any gunshot survivors or anybody living with a spinal cord injury that has questions or wants mentorship, reach out to me directly. I would, you know, love to, to, to meet you for sure. You're a beautiful human being, man. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Daniel. That's my man right there, Arthur Renowitzki. Again, it is the Life Goes On Gala, uh, the Life Goes On Foundation, LGOF.org for tickets or to go ahead and just make a donation, which I do hope you consider doing. Uh, it's a wonderful person with a wonderful community that uh, I'm asking you to go ahead and, and help support. It would mean an awful lot to me, and it would certainly mean an awful lot to Arthur as well. And that's it. I know that this means a lot to Ray, but we didn't have much time. So I said, Ray, get the hell out of here so I can talk to Arthur. And I am now going to get out of here so you can hear from the football hour. Brought to you by Fremont Bank. Coming up next, it's Sean Salisbury and our friend Lorenzo Neal here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, we're going to have shorter shows throughout the week. Ray and I got a little show tomorrow ahead of Warriors basketball. I believe we got Wednesday off. That's how early... Uh, that's how early the Warriors tip on Wednesday with their back-to-back as they begin the six-game road trip. But we will have much, much more on the Thursday night 49er game against the Seahawks, which is a big one, obviously, as we get back into the saddle tomorrow. Thank you very, very much for tuning in. Uh, thanks to Peter King. Thanks to Michael Irvin. Thank you very much to Lucas and Grandy. For Ray, I'm Damon. LGOF.org. Go be generous. And remember that sports don't build character, they reveal it. And like that, he's gone. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.